All right, guys, good evening. I'm Pastor Marcus Kelly over here at the exciting Grace Baptist Church, and we're so grateful that you joined us tonight for our midweek Bible study. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter number 5. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter number 5. Now, there's two words that I want you to think about this evening. The, uh, the two words are options and decisions. One gives uh, life to another, right? Options are diverse and decisions can be very difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to make a decision when you have many options. You know, an option only really has power uh, when it becomes a decision. I mean, you can have all the options in the world, but until you use one of them, it really has no power at all. So the reason why I want to understand like kind of these two words, because that's really what life is all about. It's amazing to see how one decision can change a life, change a family, change a nation, change a world. I mean, some people throughout the years have made uh, decision choosing uh, among options. They've made, literally have made history. People that we've never heard of and probably are never going to meet have almost altered the course of history. Uh, in 1776, only one vote was the difference in deciding that the, uh, the United States language was going to be English instead of German. In 1845, it was by one vote that Texas became part of the United States. In 1868, one vote, only one vote, saved President Johnson from impeachment. In 1876, one vote changed France from a monarchy to a republic. In 1876, one vote gave Rutherford B. Hayes the presidency of the United States. In 1933, we're told it was by one vote that Adolf Hitler got the leadership of the Nazi party. So we see how our decisions have consequences. That when we've got options, that there's only power in those options once we pull the trigger and make uh, decisions. But options can be confusion, confusing, I'm sorry, right? The need to make a decision sometimes can be paralyzing. Sometimes we, we have a difficult time pulling the trigger and making a decision, right? Uh, many times, the reason for that is we may have many options, but we don't like any of them, right? I mean, I made some up in my notes for you this evening. Uh, for example, I can either get up this morning at five o'clock, fight traffic all the way to go to work, to go to a job that I hate, or I could just stay home and let my family starve to death. Right, We don't like either one of those options. If I'm unhappy in my marriage, I can leave my spouse and get out of that marriage or maybe stay together for the sake of the children. And the truth is, we don't. maybe you don't like either one of those options. Maybe I'm unhappy in my job. Do I quit my job, take a lower paying job, or do I keep the job I don't like to keep more money? Again, maybe you don't like those options. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we read about three people who do not like their options, but they're able to make the absolute best out of their circumstances. They get victory over their circumstances, and they find some joy in the process, I believe. So we're going to be learning three things to do when you don't know which option to choose. Options and decisions, man. So the first thing we want to do as believers in Christ, whenever we have to make a decision, we need to, number one, we need to do what God desires. We need to do what God desires. Now, this story is about a general named Naaman. This is uh, the most telling thing you're going to need to know about Naaman is that he was a general, that he was a war hero, but we also read that he was a leper, that he was a leper. Leprosy in the Old Testament is a picture of sin, okay, of sin because of how awful and contagious leprosy was. There's not a worse thing that probably could happen to you besides death than to get 
leprosy, right? If you were called a leper, man, it was bad. And again, I want you to know that in scripture, leprosy is always the type picture. It's a symbol for sin. And so Naaman was desperate. I'm sure Naaman, he had tried every ointment, every salve, every doctor, every medicine, every hospital, every homebrew recipe they could come up with, but to no avail, he's a leper. And this type of leprosy was contagious, incurable, and it was fatal. Okay, and so this is where the story kind of takes a turn. If you look in your Bible at 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. This is a little slave girl, a little foreigner, who uh, Naaman's armies had raided and they had snatched her up and taken her captive and made her a slave to this man but she's a godly young lady and she knows about a man of god who could possibly heal naaman and all she had to do was tell naaman and he could go for the healing sounds simple but let me ask you the question do you think she liked those options do you think she liked it Again, this man, his army had raided her country, raided her home, snatched her away, and pulled her into slavery. Her only reason for living was to be at their beck and call. She's a slave, man. And so she had an option. She could either help or she could hurt. She could help or she could hurt. Now think about this. All she had to do was nothing. She could have said nothing, done nothing. Nobody was expecting anything from her. She could have minded her own business. Right? And all and she could have the pleasure of watching this Naaman, this this enemy general, this pompous, arrogant kidnapper die a horrible death. And for her to speak up was really risky because if she speaks up and um says something, they could ridicule her and make fun of her, they could even beat her, they could take her or whatever it was. She could get punished just for suggesting it. But not only that, if she suggested it and then some reason Naaman doesn't get healed, they would definitely kill her then. I'm telling you, she did not like her options. And you and I are in much the same position as this young lady when it comes to the people that live around us. We're surrounded by people who have an incurable leprosy. They've got the sin disease, man. And we cannot heal them ourselves, but we can point them to the one who can provide ultimate healing for their soul. Now, if we want them to die in their sin and not run the risk of being made fun of or rebuked, ridiculed, rejected, we can stay silent. We can not say anything. But that's the problem. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Proverbs 3, 27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Now here's the truth that I want you to learn. Whenever you have an option that you don't uh, like, you got to ask yourself, which choice, which decision will help others who are involved and which one will hurt the people who are involved? That will always help you to make the right decision. When you do what God desires, you're always going to end up helping, ultimately, rather than hurting. Now, the second thing is, uh, we want to uh, we, we do what uh, when it comes time to make a decision, we need to do what God deserves. And I know that sounds funny. We need to do what God deserves. Now, the real hero of this story is this prophet named Elisha. Right, he, Elisha is the man that Naaman needed to be in touch with, but he's not just a prophet, not just a backwoods country preacher. 
right? He's paid the highest compliment of anybody here. I'll show it to you. Um, the highest compliment that anybody's ever, you know, you can get in the word of God. By the way, Naaman went first to a king before he came to this backwoods country prophet, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But listen to this compliment in verse eight. It says, so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall not know, uh, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Okay, so Elisha said, hey, let him come to me, man. Now, let me ask you, you think Elisha liked his options? Again, Naaman, this war hero for the enemy, the Arameans, they're always plundering and raiding and invading and taking prisoners and, and stealing. Okay, substitute the name, somebody like Osama bin Laden instead of Naaman, and you kind of get the picture. I mean, is this a guy you really want to help? Right? Elisha looked at this man. He thought, this is a pagan. He hates God. He hates my country. He hates my people. He attacks and plunders my nation. He hates me. You couldn't really blame Elisha if he said, you know what? I'm not going to help him. This isn't my problem. Just one less uh, Aramean to worry about. Furthermore, you can imagine how his friends and neighbors would have thought. Why is Elisha helping the enemy? Right? You can picture that. So the little girl had an option. She could help or hurt but Elisha had an option too. He could receive or reject. He could receive or reject. That's the same option that we have when dealing with others. You know what the main complaint that the Pharisees had about Jesus? The main complaint, look in Luke chapter 15, verse two. The Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees haven't changed. Now, Elisha had one motivation. He said, he's going to know that there's a prophet in Israel. What he's ultimately saying, though, he's saying he's going to know that the God of Israel is God indeed. He wanted Naaman to know that there was a God in Israel. You know what? That's what God deserves. God deserves for us to do everything that we can to help other people to see that he is the one true God. And they can come to him, not just for physical healing, for spiritual healing of the soul and be saved. Now, but I want you to notice they dealt with Naaman, not on Naaman's terms, but on Elijah's terms, ultimately God's terms, because when we read verse 10, uh, he wouldn't even come out and speak to him. He sends a messenger out. Just imagine Naaman riding in on his white horse, surrounded by his shock troops, all his medals and his gleaming sword, and just looking like the general war hero that he is. And he comes out, where's his prophet? And the prophet won't even come out and speak to him. He sends out a messenger. See, Naaman needed to be healed, but he needed to be broken first. He needed to be healed, but first he had to be broken. This man of God paid no attention to Naaman's position, his power, his prestige, his possessions. Naaman came as a general who happened to be a leper, but God's gonna treat him like a leper that just happens to be a general. Let me just say something to all of us. You don't never need to be afraid of confronting people without God about their need for God. Never be afraid of that. It, it takes a man of God, a woman of God, to confront a man without God about their need for God. When you deal with people, I mean, there's some options. This is an option that you won't like, but you're going to be tempted to tell people what they want to hear, man, instead of what they need to hear. And sure, you'll make them feel good now, but ultimately their soul's going to hell. And what good does that do? Right? You'll tell them what they want to hear. And Elisha says, Naaman, I don't care about your recommendation. I mean, your reputation. I don't care about any of these things. You're sick. You're sinful. You need to be healed. You need to be saved. And God deserves 
for us to treat others the way that we would want others to treat us. God deserves for us to be his ambassadors and to be his spokesmen and women, his intermediaries here and now. He deserves for his glory to be preached and for his glory to be practiced. God deserves for us to do the right thing when it comes to other people, even if they might reject us, right? That's what Elisha did. He's fulfilling the calling of God on his life. He accepted the responsibility that he had to God. That's what God deserves. Uh, President Theodore Roosevelt, one of the great leaders of the 20th century, he said this. He said, there's nothing brilliant or outstanding in my record except perhaps this one thing. I do the thing that I believe ought to be done. And when I make up my mind to do a thing, I act. And we need more believers and Christians just like that. You know what it is, uh, you know, exactly what God deserves to do what we know that he would have us to do in any situation, to simply obey God, whether or not people reject us or not, but do it with love and compassion. The third thing that we need to do is we need to do what God demands. We do what he deserves, but we also do what God demands. Again, Naaman here, the kind of the main character of the story, and uh, it's interesting that the note, uh, to note that the Bible never speaks of the leprosy. Never in, in scripture do you hear about leprosy being cleansed. I mean, about being healed or, or, or cured. It's always cleansed. Cleansed. Leprosy, again, is the biblical picture for sin. You don't need to be cured of your sin or, or healed of your sin. You need to be cleansed of your sin. And so Naaman had a problem. He's full of pride. Again, he's a four-star general, highly respected by his people. He's a war hero. And he'd earned every medal that they had to give out. So this great man of God, a man of uh, this army, already had to suffer the indignity of being told by a little slave girl how to be healed. And on top of that, she tells him to go to this backwoods country preacher prophet. Look, but instead he goes to the king, right? Because he's naming. Verse five says, then the king of Syria said, go now. And I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed, took with him money. Nobody said nothing about money. 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel. He goes from king to king, which said, now be advised when this letter comes to you, I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. The little girl didn't say nothing about money. Nobody said nothing about going to see no king. Nobody said anything about needing a letter. Now, why did he take those two things? Why did he go to the wrong place with the wrong price to talk to the wrong person and keep in mind Naaman had the equivalent of about four million dollars in his pockets he thought healing had a price he thought salvation was for sale he thought healing was for sale he thought he could buy his cure you see some people want to buy God with money you cannot buy God with your money you cannot buy God God bought you if you're a Christian the richest person in the world doesn't have enough money to buy one square inch of heaven. Why? Because you cannot buy what's not for sale. It's not for sale. You can't buy it. But look, look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. It says, And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. He's thinking, man, I'm being set up. I can't do this thing. Right, All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put poor Naaman back together again. Listen, if you want God to get involved in your life, you don't need a recommendation from some lowly king. You need a recommendation from the king of kings, the Lord of lords, right? The Alpha and the Omega, the line of the tribe of Judah is the only one that can give you access to the throne room of God. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So Elisha tells him what he's got to do, man. You got to go look at verse 10, right? He says, hey, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now is Naaman grateful, right? Is he grateful, happy? No, 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 no. Look at verse 11. Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he was sure, he said, I said to myself, surely this, this backwoods country preacher prophet will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abanan, the far, far uh, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and, and went away in a rage. See, Naaman had an option. He didn't like it. Do or die. Do or die. He could do it his way and die, or do it God's way and live. He had a choice. He could, listen, he could die in his pride or he could die to his pride. Naaman's got a choice. I'm convinced the main thing that keeps most people from getting saved is pride. The thing that keeps most people from being baptized is pride. The main thing that keeps most people out of church is pride, 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 pride. The main reason why men and women can't work their marriage out, pride. The main reason why children disobey their parents, pride. My father-in-law was, one, uh, he was, when my father-in-law was in first grade, he's a first grade teacher, told the class, he says, if any of you need to go to the bathroom, just raise your hand. And my father-in-law said, he said, uh, how would that help? <laughs> so often we face a situation that we don't like and we look at our options. We know what God wants us to do, but we look at it and we go, well, how would that help? Right? Learn this lesson. When God tells you to do something, yours is not to ask why, yours is but to do or die. And eventually, Naaman did what God demanded. Look at the result in verse 14. He says, so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. You know, we, we had a baby, uh, Jessica asked you, she had a baby this week in the church. His flesh became like that of a newborn baby, right? He believed God, obeyed God. And even though he didn't understand what God was doing and everything, but God cured him and cleansed him. Now, all three of these people in our story, as we begin to wrap up, didn't like their options. All three of them chose to obey God. And I'm going to give you a simple lesson on what to do when you don't like your options. Do what you know God wants you to do. Sometimes we overcomplicate it, but it's simple. Do what you know that God wants you to do. You may not like doing what God wants you to do. But when you seek his will, seek his face, and you know it's God's will, and it's for others' good and not for their harm, do what God has called you to do. And when you do what God wants you to do, then God will keep his part and, and uh, work it out for your good and for his glory. Do what God has told you to do, and he'll honor it. I've told you this story before about Sir Leonard Wood. Sir Leonard Wood was once invited to visit the King of France, and an invitation had a date and a time and on it. So when that date and time arrived, he showed up. Uh, at the palace and, and the king was greeting everyone in one of the great halls and the king said to Sir Leonard, he said, hey, what a surprise to see you. I didn't expect it. Why are you here today? And, and then Sir Leonard Wood said, your majesty, did you not invite me to dine with you? And the king said, well, that is correct. He said, but you didn't answer my invitation. You didn't tell me that you were coming. And Leonard Wood replied, he said, your majesty, a king's invitation need not be answered. It simply needs to be obeyed. Church family, isn't that true? When our good King, our good God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ shows us and tells us what to do, we don't really have to answer. It is our responsibility to obey. And we know that we can trust him 
with all the rest. Listen, guys, I hope that you're having a wonderful week this week. I want you to know we're praying for you. If you have a prayer request, leave that down in the comments below. Let us know if we can pray for you. DM us messages. If you need to know more about Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, send us a message. I would love to talk to you. Don't forget this uh, this Sunday, we're going to have our drive-in church uh, for our mothers. We're going to have uh, at 8.30 and 10.32 services, drive-in service this Sunday. And uh, in each of our services, we're going to have a special $100 gift card and a $50 gift card doing a, uh, a drawing uh, just to try to let our moms know, man, how much we appreciate them. Also, I pray you've heard about uh, when we're going to be returning to grace and all of that. So I want to encourage you, pray, pray, pray for our church family. Pray for each other. But I hope that you have an awesome, awesome week. God bless you.